Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Tara. Hi, Janine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I feel like today we have a little bit of a more somber topic, Mm -hmm. but uh, I am still pumped to talk about this because I think it affects so many people. So today we're talking about the emotional cost of living paycheck to paycheck. And if this is you or if you've ever felt like this in I want to start by saying that you are not alone in this journey. Um, When I started to look into the statistics, I was actually quite surprised. And I found 49% of individuals that responded to this survey said they have no savings for an emergency and 53% are relying on their next paycheck. So that tells me that over half of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. So Tara, Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you've, I guess, seen with, you know, people in your life, um, what you've heard? Yeah, well, when I was on variable income, it was really difficult to create a savings plan. It's hard to know when you're going to need money next. If you're not earning enough to meet your basic needs, you just know that you're always going to be short. You're always going to be behind. Yeah, and that can be very frustrating for people. Mm-hmm. I think having to rely on that next paycheck is stressful. And um, you start to look for ways to kind of deal with that, um, whether it's an emergency that comes up or, you know, an unexpected expense, or maybe you are on variable pay, so you get less than you thought you would in that pay period. Um, Mm -hmm. What I found was more than a third, so 35%, actually said that they would take out a small loan or use a credit card to deal with an emergency. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm not really surprised at that statistic. I'm kind of surprised that it's so low, actually, Um, because if you don't have an emergency fund and you don't have money for an emergency, is it just 35% of people that have already experienced one and know that they've had to use loans? Or are people asking friends and family to cover the gaps? Maybe they're asking friends and family. Maybe they do have savings that they didn't earmark for Mm. an emergency. Maybe I've seen people actually dip into retirement accounts to cover emergencies, which is obviously not great. But I mean, it's that or go into credit card debt. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at either option, right? Um, Lastly, obviously, this is quite a sobering statistic, but 14% of people reporting in this survey said that they were in a dire financial situation and they were, you know, considering filing for bankruptcy or they have something sent to collections. And that's here in Canada. You know, we talked in a previous episode about living wages. And I think in a sense, this, this living wage and basic income kind of plays into this because I think life has gotten a lot more expensive. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about this before, but wages have continued to stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. And um, the bankruptcy statistic as well. I think when people are looking online for advice or thinking about bankruptcy, they see 
as with everything here in Canada, we see a lot of American information. It's something that should be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you need to speak to a professional before yeah. going down that road. But I think, you know, Tara makes a great point. When you are looking and, you know, feeling stressed out and you turn to the Google machine, mm-hmm. making sure that you are reading actually Canadian advice, because I think you're right that a lot of times we start to see American information, even when I, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm Googling stuff, I always put Canada at the end of it. And sometimes there's still American still stuff. Still American stuff. Yeah. That comes up, which is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating for sure. But yeah, and I think bankruptcy, when you're in so deep or when you're in over your head, seems like a really good option to wipe the slate clean from an emotional perspective. But it should be your last course of action. So now that I've kind of mentioned a few of the statistics here, I wanted to talk about some of the emotions that go along with living from paycheck to paycheck. Obviously, these are just compounded when you're looking at filing for bankruptcy. But for those people that are living paycheck to paycheck, and what that means really is you need every dollar from your next paycheck to basically cover your living expenses. You don't have any money for savings or debt repayment Mm -hmm. or what have you. So I think you kind of know if you're in this situation, if you go, I have to wait to my next paycheck. And when you say, I have to wait to my next paycheck, it's not because you don't want to use your savings for the next purchase or to buy groceries. It's because you have zero dollars. For sure. Yeah, no, that's a great clarification point. So I think a lot of emotions can kind of happen when this is the case. There is typically an increase in anxiety around money because you are so stressed out about maybe not being able to buy food or not being able to make your rent payment or pay your phone bill. And you have to start kind of picking and choosing which bills you pay in what order. And I think Mm -hmm. there is a lot of financial anxiety that goes along with that. Yeah, you do a lot of mental gymnastics. And when you're making the choice between do I maintain my cell phone coverage if I let my heating lapse, I know it's the winter so they won't shut anything off, do I, you know, risk my internet cable company taking me to collections, do I lapse on my car loan, that's huge. And I think if you're thinking about those types of things even more than once a week, or really at all, you probably have some um, financial anxiety around yeah. obviously living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And I mean, it might be a timing issue. It might be a cash flow issue. But if you're in a situation that's causing you that much stress, that's stressful if you have to decide which bill to pay and which you can be late on. Yeah. And I think sometimes that anxiety can go hand in hand with depression. And with that, you know, not wanting to maybe get out of bed and that can kind of obviously I'm not an expert in depression and it looks different on everyone same with anxiety but you know you have this anxiety and maybe also depression and so then you maybe don't want to go to work or you don't want to take an extra shift and it can kind of get you into a vicious cycle where you're digging a hole because of this money stress yeah well I know in situations where I've felt overwhelmed you get to the point where you don't do anything, even if it has nothing to do with the issue, because you're just so overwhelmed, you don't know the next step to take. Yeah, and it can be, you know, a really cloudy place to be. And when I say cloudy, I mean, like, you're in a fog, you actually don't know what next step you should take. Mm -hmm. Even though if you were, if you had a clear head, and you're advising maybe a friend or a family member, you would have, you would know exactly what to do. Um, But because you're in it, I think it can be really, really challenging. Yeah. And I think we mentioned in another episode, um, the connection between 
uh, financial health and self-worth. So you may feel like you can't reach out to any of your friends or family members with these concerns um, because it's so closely tied to your view of your own self-worth. So the next emotion that I wanted to mention was actually anger because I think sometimes we can blame maybe ourselves or other people for our poor uh, financial decisions or the financial situation we're in. Um, I've seen people be angry with themselves for, you know, kind of getting themselves into that financial situation, for spending too much, for, you know, credit card debt. But I've also actually seen uh, anger and resentment towards significant others, maybe that you're no longer with, have maybe, you know, been financially abusive or were the reason you are in debt. And I think that that can start to take a toll. You know, if you are still in that relationship, it can take a toll on that relationship, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it can also start taking a toll on the other relationships in your life because you do have so much anger around money. That's definitely something you can look at from like a personal growth perspective. Even if you spent money on someone else or while you were with someone else, that should have been a conscious decision. And one of the things that someone told me early on in in relationships when I was considering buying a gift for my significant other at the time that was really expensive for me, they just said, well, you can't really think about it in terms of what if you break up? What if you break up tomorrow? Um, What if they don't like it or whatever? You have to think about is this amount of money, if you just said goodbye to it, it's a gift, right? You have to think you're, you're done with it. You've disconnected from that purchase immediately when you gift something to somebody else. And the same is true for lending money to friends and family. I mean, mm-hmm. I know people are always like, oh, I'll pay you back. But I think you need to, if if, if you're in a bad financial situation because you did lend someone some money, mm-hmm. I don't, I think you have to let go of that. And as challenging mm-hmm. as it can be and as angry as you might feel because you lent someone money or because of a financial gift or a gift that was expensive, you know, dwelling on it is is not going to help you move forward with your financial journey. Now, we've talked about some of the statistics um, as well as some of the emotions. And obviously, these are not, an, this is not an exhaustive list of all the emotions that you can feel when you're financially overwhelmed. Tara, I wanted to ask you what your experience has been with some of these negative emotions and financial stress. I know you mentioned you were um, on a variable income at one point. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, so I was variable income when I was in school. And it's tricky. I guess I've always been a little bit more aware of budgeting and everything like that. I think being in these situations where you are living paycheck to paycheck or on variable income, it's an opportunity as well. You are placed in a situation where you have to become financially literate or you will sink. You are placed in a situation where you have to know how to use your money wisely um, and be okay with the decisions that you're making because if you don't, You won't have money at the end of the week or the end of the month. You won't be able to pay your bills, your rent, or anything like that. So for me, I looked at it as a growth experience. I don't think I had anxiety around it because I always kept it pretty under control. Yeah. And for myself, I feel when I was on study leave, I felt a lot of actually financial anxiety and stress because um, we weren't paid for that study leave. Mm. And I mean, I ended up 
doing some financial gymnastics with some cash flow, but it just felt so overwhelming to not have a paycheck coming in mm-hmm. at that time for, it was only a couple months and I knew that I would be getting a paycheck again after that, but I was earning a bit of money from, you know, my side hustle. So kind of in a sense, I guess a bit of variable income and not getting paid from my employer. And yeah, I felt like I was so stressed out all the time and that I needed to just like earn as much as I could so that we wouldn't fall behind financially. Mm. And I think if you're in a situation like that, remembering that something like that is temporary, Mm -hmm. um, not always the case. Some people will live paycheck to paycheck for a very long time, but there are certain situations where remembering that it is temporary can be useful for a little bit healthier long-term thinking because, you know, I was supposed to be studying, not making money. Exactly. And checking your own perceptions as well, because I had a similar experience in terms of not earning a paycheck when I went on maternity leave. And that I found very stressful. I mean, I've been earning money on my own since I was like 13, maybe even a little bit younger than that. And I've never experienced not working. I've never experienced not being financially responsible for my own existence, I guess, for lack of a better term. I've always been responsible for that. So that was really hard. And I had to kind of take a perception that it's okay to have assistance. It's okay to accept your EI payments. It's it's absolutely fine. It's an opportunity. It's another opportunity for you, an opportunity to grow, try something new, the ability for you when you're on study leave to actually learn and focus on your studies without worrying about income that, you know, yeah, I'm glad that you were able to kind of recognize that in yourself, that it was an opportunity for you to learn. For sure. And I think going back to what you said, we are in North America so tied to what we do for a living. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting. So I have some European friends and um, anytime they're meeting a new person, you like, if you think about any North American conversation, it's like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. What do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. With Europeans, it's like, hey, how are you? What are your hobbies? And I've actually caught people like, like I'll have a European friend and I'll introduce them to someone. I've actually caught North Americans saying, what they do for a living to the answer of what what do you do for fun? Because yeah. it's so ingrained in our society. And I yeah. think taking a bit of a step back, like I mentioned, and realizing again that your self-worth is not your job. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe if you don't have an answer to the hobby question, maybe that should be a red flag for you too. Maybe you're doing too much at work. Time you to get a hobby. A step back. Yeah. And it can be a free hobby too if you are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, a hobby can be anything. My answer to that question is always spending time with my kid right now. My hobbies are my hobbies are kid-related hobbies, child-friendly activities, I guess now. So I wanted to spend the last part of the episode actually talking about some suggestions that I came up with for this episode and talk through a couple of them because I actually have a decent list here. So mm-hmm. one of the first things that can help when you're living paycheck to paycheck, and actually I have to credit my husband for this one, uh, is getting a roommate. So if you're living on your own and you are feeling like your paychecks are so overwhelming, it might be time to look at getting a roommate. And I know that's not ideal for a lot of people, but you know, cutting your rent in half or even by a third is a huge amount of money back into your pocket each each month. 
Mm -hmm. And I mean, you might be helping out someone that you know in in that situation as well. It might be a win for both of you. So check your friend network too, because like we saw with the data, you're not the only one in this situation. Absolutely. Your second item that I thought would be important if you are living paycheck to paycheck is actually to get your free credit score and credit report because you're in a situation that is already stressful and maybe anxiety inducing. So it's important to know kind of where you stand financially. And I know that might seem counterintuitive, but we definitely don't want to take a head in the sand approach as well. You want to make sure that no one has access to anything in your financial life that you don't want them to have access to with all of the security breaches that have happened over the years. It's important to make sure that, you know, no one's opened a credit card in your name. Yeah. And I think with that too, it's good preventative measure as well. You might, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you can see this as being temporary or if just not having an emergency fund is, is causing you, you know, emotional turmoil, getting your credit score, opening up a small line of credit or overdraft or something like that that's a little bit more predictable than uh, credit card debt might be in your best interest as well while you can still afford it before credit card debt gets so out of control that your credit score and history takes a huge hit. And obviously, you know, those lines of credit that you just talked about typically have lower interest rates than a credit card. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the next thing I thought was actually quite interesting is this notion of getting your paycheck kind of in real time. So there's a company here in Calgary that's actually doing it, Zayzoon, and I actually uh, used to live two doors down from the the guy who founded it. So that's kind of cool. But we see companies like this in the States a lot. Uh, Daily Pay is an example of that. But what actually happens is you... If your employer signs up, so I guess you'd have to make sure that, you know, your employer was signed up, but you have access to your paycheck kind of on a, on a, on a daily basis. So you don't have to wait two weeks to get your financial resources or access to your paycheck. You actually are able to get your money when you need, when you need it, which is now, especially if you are living paycheck to paycheck. Obviously there are fees associated with these, but um, an interesting tidbit, and I can't say who, but one of the larger companies that is in the payroll space is actually looking at rewriting how what their payroll system looks like and mm-hmm. is kind of in a sense copying this this methodology of you know giving people access to their pay in real time so i thought that that was mm-hmm. a super interesting way it's a little bit out of the box um and it may not be for everyone yeah. well yeah getting paid by day rather than Basically, right? Like it'd be getting yeah. paid by day rather than biweekly. Yeah, really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm not just to play devil's advocate. I'm not sure it would be for everyone um, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, not because you're not earning enough, but because you're overspending. I think that could be a negative. Totally. If it is, though, a situation where it's not, I guess, well, I mean, it's always a spending issue, but not a spending issue in the sense of like, oh, you're not living paycheck to paycheck because you're buying too many pairs of shoes or suits or whatever. It's like you have to pay your rent and your utility bills. Yeah, exactly. If you're like, "Mm, I might have to make use of the food bank twice a month if I want to pay my rent and just be able to survive, then yeah, sure. But if you're in $20,000 of consumer debt that you don't remember spending, I don't know if daily pay is going to help you. Yeah, that could be definitely a different situation. Also, on that note of, you know, 
um, having bills come due at different times, you you do have the ability to call your yeah. utility or cell phone provider or credit card provider and ask them to change the date. Yeah. If this is a cash flow issue, if you know that you're making enough, but you're just not getting it at the right time. Um, yeah. Another way to go about that is if you're paid biweekly or semi-monthly, call everybody up and make sure that your bills are aligned with it. Absolutely. We got to decide when our mortgage payment was going to come out, like what day. Mm-hmm. And that was actually super beneficial for us because it really helped manage cash flow. Yeah. Another thing that people could consider, um, and this is kind of maybe more down the road of if you're looking at bankruptcy or insolvency, is seeking professional help from a not-for-profit. So Money Mentors is actually a company here in Alberta that does a lot of work with orderly payment of debts as well as bankruptcy and um, obviously a last resort, those types of things. But um, if you are kind of feeling like you're overwhelmed and you have no ability to even begin to pay off, an organization like that might be able to help and they are Mm -hmm. not for profit. Yeah. And I mean, they might be able to help you in the early stages too and say, listen, you're not there yet. Um, Call everybody up. Make sure that it's aligned with your pay schedule, like we've just said, or something that's more specific to your unique personal financial situation. And on the calling, you know, people up or companies up, I, I will mention. I think we've mentioned this before, but you can call your credit card provider and ask them for a lower uh, interest rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that could also be a great way to lower some of those payments so that you can start to pay off that credit card debt. Yeah. Um. If you are employed full-time, make sure that you are utilizing all of your benefits. I think this is an area that a lot of people miss out on. And it's. I think it's also important to use those benefits regularly mm-hmm. so that uh, you don't end up in a situation where, um, you know, you need $5,000 worth of dental work and your employer's only going to cover 400 mm-hmm. of it. Whereas if, you, you know, you're going regularly for uh, the optometrist, the dentist, even massage is important, um, I think. Yeah. All of us have like neck and back problems because we work at computers, but using yeah. those benefits um, is important. And m- if you do have access to a psychologist and you're in a situation where you are paycheck to paycheck, and obviously even if you're not, I think it is really important to, you know, go and see that psychologist for as many times as is allowed on your benefits because mm-hmm. of how much financial stress you're in. Yeah, it's preventative care for sure. And I'm sure if you're going to see a psychologist or a counselor or whomever regarding uh, financial stress, if you tell them, I get three sessions with my benefits, I'm sure they'll be able to work with you and um, help you out in that sense and make the most of the three sessions or the five sessions or whatever it is that you're able to afford. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, Next up, as hard as it can be when you are feeling like you're living paycheck to paycheck, starting a small emergency fund can help you down the road. Again, kind of that preventative financial self-care. And it can be as simple as opening a free savings account and moving $10 a week or every paycheck in. And while it won't seem like much over, you know, six months, it can really start Mm -hmm. to add up. And so that if you are then in a situation where there is an emergency or something that you didn't see coming, you do have a a little bit socked away. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, uh, that's huge for anyone in these situations. Even if you 
have your emergency fund and turns out you have to dip into it once a month. It'll help you with budgeting. It'll help you get on the right track. And I'm sure it'll help your um, mental frame of mind. Absolutely. Next up, I have um, obviously if you are living paycheck to paycheck and you're feeling overwhelmed, cutting some of your expenses is a, is a great way to kind of get your budget back on track. But I'm not going to sit here and lecture people about, you know, cutting down to the complete bare minimum where, you know, you're needing to go, like if you're already strapped for cash. I think another way of handling it is actually looking for ways to increase your income. So whether Mm -hmm. that's, you know, asking for a raise or um, taking on a side gig like Uber or, you know, babysitting or nannying. Um, I did that for years. Um, There's... Mm -hmm selling things that you don't use for sure there's so many ways to make money online now if you know freelancer.com has a lot of tasks that you know sometimes they're just data entry and you can earn Mm -hmm. you know maybe 15 dollars an hour and even having an extra 100 bucks a month is so beneficial Mm -hmm. it might be enough to to get you out of where you're at yeah and get you ahead financially so i'm a big advocate of you know, obviously control your expenses as you can to to an extent, but Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate for increasing income and getting creative with how you do that. I mean, I earn extra money writing and speaking Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's taken years to build up. I think, oh God, I was looking back at it and, you know, I think I got paid $11 for the first article I ever wrote for for money. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you can build that up. And once you start to build a portfolio of whether it's writing or uh, art or Yeah. And I think for me, like at my stage, I don't know if I could take on a side hustle (laughs) speaking as you record this podcast. But I mean, back in the day, it was not unheard of for me to have three jobs, you know, three gigs, you know, Um, and it was so draining. It It was so draining. And now having a child, I mean, this is a passion project for me. This is something that Um, you know, fills my cup, so to speak, right? If I were to have to take on, I don't know, childcare would not be where I should be right now. Um, That would be mentally taxing for me. So I think if it were me right now with a kid in a paycheck to paycheck situation, I'd be trying to see where I could cost share. I'd be looking at shared childcare situations, other people in like make use of my network and seeing if anybody could help me cut costs, whether that's getting a roommate or sharing grocery purchases um, with somebody else. Like I can't imagine being a single mom. I'm not a single mom, but um, if I were, um, I definitely try to make more use of the other people in my network that have kids and share some of those burdens, hand-me-downs, everything. And I think that's so important, whether you are a single mom or not, or, you know, lean on your support system and don't, we've talked about this so many times, don't be afraid to divulge your financial situation with people that you know care about you because they're going to want to help you and get you in the best financial position possible. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Last couple Obviously, if you're finding you're spending too much, put your credit cards away, cut them up, freeze them in a nice block. I don't care. Uh, Try to use cash or I think I mentioned this in another episode, a prepaid credit card card, could be a great way to get your spending back on track. Um, If you do find yourself in a lot of credit card debt that is overwhelming, we talked about, you know, calling for a lower interest rate. You might consider a consolidation loan. Again, please read 
the terms and conditions and speak to a professional in your area mm-hmm. when you are looking at a consolidation loan because you need to understand, you know, what it actually is and, mm-hmm. you know, what they're going to be charging you. Are there any fees associated with it? That is an option. The other option I wanted to bring up is if you are going to be able to pay off this credit card debt within a year, you could consider a balance transfer to a credit card with a 0 to 2% interest rate. Yeah. But the kicker is you have to pay it off before that promotion interest rate wears off. So it has yeah. to be an amount that you know you're going to be able to yeah. pay off. So maybe in – we talked about this earlier. Maybe it's a cash flow issue and you know you're going to be getting a huge windfall in six months. Mm-hmm. Well, and a little bit of the fine print on balance transfers with credit card to credit card is only the balance that you transferred is subject to the 0%. So if you balance transfer from credit card A to credit card B – the amount of, let's say, $200, then you use credit card B that month for $100. You are going to be charged interest on the $100 that you spent, and any amount that you pay within that month will be attributed to the 0% balance transfer first. So you are going to be carrying any additional spending at the whatever rates, usually about 20-25% on credit card B. So don't, if you do a balance transfer, my advice to you would be know that you can pay it off in a reasonable amount of time, understand that any of your purchases will be at that additional rate, maybe have something else. I think a great way to use a balance transfer is, you know, let's say you have $1,000 worth of credit card debt, you know you're going to be able to pay that off in three months. Mm-hmm. Move that $1,000 onto a credit card with 0% or 1% interest, freeze your credit cards in a nice block. And I mm-hmm. think that's what Gil Vaz-Oxlade always said to do. So that's why I'm thinking of it a lot this episode. And then, you know, use cash or use a prepaid card um, to get yourself back on track financially because I think Mm -hmm. that that could be a really slippery slope. Well, it could be. And especially if you think that any of your additional transactions are going to be at 0%, they are not. And you're paying your previous transactions off before you're paying your new ones off. So it could, if you're an overspender and overusing your, your credit, that could turn into a really big snowball and put you in a worse situation. So definitely read the fine print when you're doing balance transfers. They can be hugely beneficial to you, um, but not, again, if you continue the the same spending habits that got you into consumer debt. So we've spent some time here talking about a whole bunch of different ways that you can kind of start to focus on getting your life back on track. Obviously, it's not a one-stop shop for everyone. Hopefully, you've found some value in some of the suggestions. Tara and I had this episode we know that, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, we've both been in situations where, you know, we didn't have a lot of money coming in. It can be very financially stressful. Um, and so the pink tax rebate for this week is know that you aren't alone. Seek professional help where you need it, whether that's a psychologist or a professional in the finance industry. Again, we've talked at length. Make sure you trust them and lean on your support system if you're in this situation. Lastly, If you find yourself in this position, you could take a more active political stance, which we did not talk about in this podcast, but, you know, advocating for things like increased minimum wage or basic income can put you into a better financial situation for the long term. Love it. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag FemFinances.